I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. My name is Ashley Minner, and I would like to know where are all the hidden streams in Baltimore? Hidden streams in Baltimore? I don't know anything about this. What, what, what have you heard? Well, I have a friend, uh, Kevin Griffin Moreno, who alerted me to the fact that a lot of buildings taken place over rivers and streams that run just right under the city, places where I am all the time and I would have never known. And this is just an area I haven't really explored too much myself, and I'd like to know where they are and, and what happened. Hey, is this Kevin Griffin Moreno? Yeah, hi. Hey, it's uh, Aaron Henkin calling you from the Maryland Curiosity Bureau at WYPR. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing well, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Here is my question for you, Kevin. I'm trying to investigate a question that's been submitted to me by a friend of yours, Ashley Minner. You know her? Absolutely. Yeah. She says that you told her that you heard something about there being hidden streams that flow underground around Baltimore. What is what is that all about? What do you know about this? Yeah. Encasing these underground waterways is a fairly common practice, especially in older cities. You know, the city expands, layers of development accrete, and um, these waterways, instead of being filled in, they find it useful to make them part of, like, the city's storm drain system. All right. So I definitely got to watch out for poison ivy here. I'm going to take the foam thingy off this microphone so I can drop it through this little hole in this uh, sewer grate and see what we can hear. That's the sound of a whole lot of water. What, uh... What are we listening to right here? So that's a branch of Sumwalt Run, a small stream in North Baltimore that runs through, uh, mainly through the Charles Village and Remington neighborhoods. And that's the sound of a branch of the stream as it runs through the storm sewer in Wyman Park, Dell. Okay, so this is the first stop on my journey to answer Ashley's question about hidden streams. This guy you hear talking is Bruce Willen. He's standing in the shade of some overhanging trees at the north end of Wyman Park. Willen is an artist, designer, musician who lives nearby in the Remington neighborhood. And for the past year, he's been working on a public art and history project called Ghost Rivers. He says, you know how sometimes when you're walking around in Baltimore, you'll hear this kind of faint sound of rushing water under your feet? A lot of times it's one of these buried urban streams that run, like, run through many parts of the city. And in fact, there is, you know, probably several dozens of these streams that are running under our row houses, our buildings, our parks, and there's no visible sign of them anymore. They've mostly been forgotten. So Willen has made it his mission to trace the paths and the histories of these buried and forgotten streams. He says his trip down this rabbit hole started with an old neighborhood map that he got hold of. It was a map that had something on it that just didn't make sense to him. There was this stream on the map that was labeled Sumwalt Run. And it, you know, just ran a few blocks from my house. And I realized that I crossed over the stream path probably every day, but had zero idea that there was a river running under my feet. If you imagine back to what Baltimore must have been like in the 1800s, Willen says it was more of a town than a big city. Whatever development had happened at that point, it was all clustered right around the harbor. And the majority of what we think of as the city today was this rolling countryside, you know, hills, woodlands dotted with farms. And, you know, in between these hills were creeks and streams. 
But as the city expanded uh, in, in the 19th century, development started encroaching on these streams. So you would have buildings coming up to the edge of them, factories, uh, this was you know, the Industrial Revolution, so pollution was getting, and trash were getting dumped into these streams. You know, outhouses would you know, overflow, and like during rains, run down into the, the streams. So a lot of these streams weren't super nice places anymore. Add to that not super niceness the onrush of developers who were looking to expand outward and buy up all this surrounding farmland to build more houses and buildings and factories. So a lot of times what would happen is these streams were diverted into these uh, underground culverts, which are essentially these covered, uh, you know, generally concrete and brick tubes. Some of them, like this one, is about eight feet in diameter. The stream was diverted into this storm sewer. Um, the valleys were filled in, and the hill, hills were sort of lopped off, pushed down into the valleys, and now we have these blocks of row houses and streets that run over where all these like beautiful stream valleys used to be. Willen says even though these creeks and streams and even small rivers are invisible, they're still flowing. They're just inside these man-made concrete channels under our feet now, including the one we're standing on in Wyman Park Dell. Once upon a time, this place was called the Sumwalt Stream Valley. Which I've seen described as this quiet little brook, maybe 12 or 15 feet across, rocky, burbling water. The sides of the hill are lined with these massive beech trees, you know, three or four feet across trunks. You know, it's really just like beautiful little valley. It seems there's something poetic or maybe symbolic about the idea that it's impossible for us to see these streams. We're literally cut off from them by these tubes of concrete. But there are these little places around town where you can put your ear to the ground and hear them and know that they're still there. I wonder, I wonder what that's supposed to mean to us. You know, one of the things that I think about with these streams is that, you know, we've, the people, we've tried to really like, you know, bottle up, literally in this case, uh, bottle up water, bottle uh, these elements of the, our natural world and control them in, in a way that really is like impossible for us to control in the long term. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to find these like these hidden glimpses of, of history and nature that surround us and, you know, celebrate them where we can. There's also maybe the idea that they were, they were here long before us and, and they're probably going to outlast us in the, in the long run anyway, right? Oh, ab- absolutely. I, I think uh, if there's anything that history has shown, it's the, the creations of uh, humankind are temporary at best and, you know, this particular stream was flowing for millennia, if not millions of years, and it will probably continue to flow uh, for millions of years afterwards. All right, I feel like we're off to a good start here answering Ashley's question. We found one hidden stream in Baltimore so far in Wyman Park Dell. We've learned a little bit about how and why these streams ended up underground. I'm going to see if I can find us another one of these ghost rivers. I've got some intel. There's another one you can hear flowing under a street out in West Baltimore. That's where we're going to head next. So I'm looking at a metal grate here. It says, dump no waste, drains to waterways, flow with an arrow pointing west. I'm going to stick my microphone down here and uh, hear what we hear. 
What is it that we're hearing down there? The stream, the water source. There are four streams that run through this area. This is one of the major ones. It goes to the abutment there and then heads west and then down towards the uh, bay at Pulaski. This is Ashley Milburn, a different Ashley than the Ashley who asked this week's question. This Ashley is a community artist who did some work in West Baltimore about 10 years ago, where he held public events and neighborhood celebrations on the vacant lots that run alongside the infamous Highway to Nowhere, which, you know, by the way, is a whole different and big Baltimore subject unto itself. You can feel free to ask about it for a future episode of this podcast if you want. The short story, the Highway to Nowhere is basically a mile-and-a-half-long ditch with a six-lane highway in it that was never completed. It destroyed houses and businesses and displaced residents, and it's been called an open wound in the community. When Milburn was doing his work in this neighborhood, he learned that this highway to nowhere also disrupted a hidden underground stream at the intersection where we're standing right now. This is uh, Casey and Franklin Street. Uh, We are standing in front of the... uh, Inner city block 125. Is your understanding that uh, this stream has been redirected on account of the highway to nowhere? Yeah, yeah that, that was all, the whole thing. And I don't know how they did it, but they diverted the stream right at the uh, buttress here along the highway. And how they got it down to Pulaski and then make a left, I don't know. That's engineering. <laughs> but why all that effort? Why not just open this tree, <laughs> you know? recreate the park space uh, for community, and it's just one of those things they do, I don't know. Milburn's dream at one point was to daylight part of this stream that flows through a nearby park to uncover it and expose it to the world again. But the idea never made it through the city's red tape. Today, when Milburn looks down through the metal grates at the stream that's flowing in the dark 10 feet below him, he says... This is pretty clear evidence that we've lost our connection with nature and open spaces. But this re- is a reminder. Through all of the turmoil and pain that this stream has suffered, it still functions. It still moves its way towards the bay. The thing is, that stream will always be there. You know, whether it's uncovered, built on, it will always do its thing. And there's a lesson in that for us who are looking at these spaces. Uh, nature is alive, even in West Baltimore. So there are some of us that will continue to think about how to thank nature for doing its job and somehow build another relationship with it. You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. Okay, from West Baltimore, we're going to head now to Falls Road, right near where it connects with Maryland Avenue. There's a walking path along the side of the road here where you can see the Jones Falls stream running by on the other side of some brambles. And uh, I got to say, it smells pretty terrible here. Anybody can walk down this path and smell the sewage impacts, but if you have a trained eye, you can actually see it as well. Alice Volpitta has that trained eye. She's the Baltimore Harbor waterkeeper with Blue Water Baltimore. That's a very fancy way of saying 
I put on a pair of waders and find dirty outfalls and report them to the proper agencies. <laughs> what she's looking at right now is a sanitary sewer manhole cover. It's a big circle of metal capping off one of the city's sewer pipes. But what we're seeing is pieces of toilet paper around the edges of the manhole cover, and that's indicative of a recent sewage overflow. So, you know, I'm, I'm making this episode of this program in answer to someone whose question was, you know, where are all the hidden streams in Baltimore? Why are we talking about sewers? Ultimately, you would like for all of these infrastructure systems to be completely separated from each other. But the reality is that as they age, they get old, the pipes start to crumble, and they get cracks in them. And so what we see is sewage from the sanitary sewer system leaking into the storm drain system, or the MS4, and rainwater leaking from the stormwater system into the sewer pipes. So these underground streams, which get fed by storm drains all over the city, they can still flood. But because they're underground, what they flood into is the sewer pipes. And then the overflowing sewer pipes swish their nasty contents back into the water basin and the groundwater. So you could say we're actually haunted by these ghost rivers in a very real and expensive and dangerous way. If we keep walking right up here next to this wall, we can just start heading down. Um, Just be careful. I've slipped down this hill before and it's not fun. Yeah, this feels like it should be illegal to go down to the river the way we're going right now. But, I mean, this is public property. What we're really doing is just exercising our rights to enjoy local waterways. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, but it feels like we're doing something wrong by being down here. We've walked about 100 yards south of that sewer pipe with the toilet paper around it, and right now we've snuck our way down a steep little path under a bridge to the edge of the Jones Falls stream. Some streams are hidden because they're underground, and some, like this one, are just hidden right out in the open air. You would never have any idea that this is down here if you were up on North Avenue or Howard Street or anywhere nearby. Yeah, um, we're directly under the Howard Street Bridge here. Uh, Maybe if you're walking across the bridge, you could hear it. There's, There's like walls on the side of the bridge, so you can't even see it from the bridge. But this is a little river oasis, I guess, but it's right here in the middle of the city and it's obviously got challenges as well. Yeah, I mean, I look at this little deep area that's right in front of our faces here, and I think, how cool would that be if that could be a swimming hole for kids? I mean, how amazing would it be to take your dog down here and just rest on the rocks and let them play? Um, And that's just not the reality for us right now. Our waterways are really challenged. They're really sick. As we look to the north, the river is above ground. It's seeing daylight. And at this point, it looks like it's flowing into tunnels, and this is where it becomes, I guess, a hidden stream. Exactly. So the Jones Falls above this point at the Howard Street Bridge is daylighted. But south of this area, it goes underground for about two miles before it emerges again in a canal downtown. Do you have any sense of, like, how many underground streams there are in the city? Like, how many miles of streams are covered up and flowing under our feet? I don't know. What I can say is that when Baltimore City first entered into the consent decree for sewage overflows back in 2002, one of the biggest projects that was undertaken was just doing a survey of all of the sewer pipes underground. Because over time, we we lost track of where the sewer pipes were. And so if we've lost track of something relatively modern, like sewer pipes, I can only imagine that's happened tenfold with the streams that are underground. Yeah, because the purpose of putting them underground was for them to be forgotten about. 
Exactly. Once again, we're turning away from them. We're using them as cesspools. They're of no use to us. And so we've forgotten about them. Talk about this phenomenon more in general, what you understand historically about how and why these streams ended up in underground in the first place with, as the city expanded. Well, my understanding is that it's really all about development. I mean, if you can ignore a stream and just build on top of it, then you've just increased your buildable property exponentially. You don't have to worry about a floodplain because there's no flood that's going to make the stream come up above ground again. Um, the really interesting thing about these streams, Jones Falls especially, is that just north of where we're standing was where I found my very first American eel. Um, about six years ago, I was waiting in this stream and I saw this eel on the stream bed and it was wild, it blew my mind. And then I did some research about American eels because I'd never seen one in any of these streams before. And I learned that to spawn, they go out to sea into the Sargasso Sea off the Atlantic Ocean, and then they come back to their breeding grounds to lay their eggs. And so this eel had gone underground for the two miles in the dark with no habitat under the city, under downtown, to get out to the Baltimore Harbor, all the way down to the Sargasso Sea beyond the Chesapeake Bay, and then turned around and came back. And that's just amazing. It's incredible. What does that tell us about who we are and the, the age and intelligence of the forces that we're dealing with, right? I think that, coupled with the insane amounts of flooding that we see by trying to direct these forces of nature, it's telling us to stop trying to control the world and the environment to the point of our own demise. I mean, really, for me, that's what it's all about. These eels don't care what we did. They'll find a way. Okay, at this point in our investigation, I want to bring our questioner, Ashley Minner, back into the conversation. Ashley, your question was, where are all the hidden streams in Baltimore? I obviously did not find all of them, but I feel like we did get up close and personal with a few of them and learned some uh, pretty interesting stuff along the way. Do you feel like I did justice to your question? And uh, what what are you left thinking about after hearing this? You definitely did justice. Thank you for for going around and getting all of this good information. I guess it just reminds me of how um, everyone maybe supposes the world has always been the way it is when they arrive in it, and uh, we're not thinking about how it's been constructed before we ever show up, and then even the world we know while we're here won't always be. Like, you know, these things change and pass away and then only the traces remain. Ashley Minner, thank you for your question. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me on the Curiosity Bureau. We're just about ready to wrap up here, but let me ask you now, listeners, do you have questions of your own about Baltimore and the region? What's got you scratching your head? Is there something that's piqued your curiosity? This is a totally interactive podcast. You can put me to work as your own personal reporter on loan. Just go to wypr.org curiosity, and you'll find a little form where you can submit your question for me. You can also see other listeners' questions, and you can vote on which story you think I should report next. Whatever's got you curious, I look forward to hearing from you at wypr.org slash curiosity. And by the way, you know, this is the very first episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. So if you like what you've heard so far, do me a favor and drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help other folks discover the podcast for themselves. Or, you know, just tell a friend. 
Oh, I wanted to mention also that you can see photos of the people I met and interviewed this episode at our show page. You can also see a really cool map that Alice Volpitta shared with me. It shows a pretty comprehensive array of the waterways that flow through Baltimore, hidden or not. Again, that's all at wypr.org slash curiosity. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is an original production of WYPR. I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch, and we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.